0: Shot Martinez, saves Talbot! Kovatar bags it off the back of her head! Chris. Richard Martinez! Save made by Cam Talbot! And here come the Oilers, two on one to win it! McDavid in for the left hand side, dry sun awaits, there's a center pass, What timer's score! Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos, Six thirty, 30 Champ. The Saskatchewan Rough Riders have scored
1: touchdowns about three minutes apart early in the second quarter. They've taken control of the game in Hamilton, now up 17-0. Bakari Grant just catching a touchdown pass from Brandon Bridge. Yes, in place of the injured Kevin Glenn, Brandon Bridge, the Canadian quarterback, playing pretty good so far for the Riders. Also... Cleveland Indians, what a win last night. They tied in the ninth. They win it in the 10th for their 22nd consecutive victory. Now just four behind, tying the all time record of 26 in a row. Playing the Royals again tonight. It is 1 1. That game's in the bottom of the third. Your Edmonton Eskimos are in Toronto. Their game coming up at 2 o'clock tomorrow afternoon. You can listen to it here on 630 Ched, Our coverage will start with the countdown to kickoff at 1230. Dave Campbell will have a preview and a look at the Esks lineup in about half an hour. And Trayvon Van is back at running back, but because of some uh, the uh, the ratio issues, I don't know if he's going to be out there for every snap because the Eskimos do have uh, five American receivers listed as well. So Dave will enlighten us on how that is going to work. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Hope you have a great weekend planned. It's 6 8 Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio 630. Chad will have the Eskimos hosting the Flames Monday night at 7 with the face-off show at 530 as the Oilers start the preseason. They were on the ice for the first uh, on-ice session of training camp today. Another one tomorrow including a scrimmage and then same kind of deal on Sunday. And don't Forget Sunday's training camp session open to the public seating general admission there will be a limited concession available doors will open at 10 30 the event scheduled from 10 45 a.m to 1 30 p.m that is on sunday at rogers place for more information you can go to edmontonoilers.com so that's a pretty uh, cool opportunity to get into the building and see the team before they start making cuts and sending guys to the minors to junior and all that kind of fun stuff if you want to reach me Pretty easy to do so. You can text 630-630. You can phone seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. 63 So the lines for the NHL team, and uh, there's no messing around with Todd McClellan, as we know now through three training camps. He puts you in a slot. He uh, tells you pretty much where you stand on the team. Does give you a chance to work up higher. But there's none of this, you know, NHL with an AHL around the same line. McDavid centering Maroon and Strom. Leon Dreisaitl was between Milan Lucic and Drake Kajula. Nugent Hopkins centred Jokinen and Puglia Yarvi. Letestu with Kara and Cassian. I don't think that should surprise anyone. Anton is injured for the start of camp here. On defense, no Andre Sekera for a while. Clefbaum and Larson, Russell and Benning, and Greiba, and it looked like Johan Avitu, the uh, seventh defenseman. Now, with the pairings, there was some rotating because they have an odd number of defensemen uh, out on the ice, but that's certainly how it shook down. The very first line rush of training camp for this season was the McDavid line with Russell and Benning on defense. Now, Clefbaum and Larson were in the later group, but Matthew Benning, he's the guy who's going to get the chance here with Andre Sekera out of the lineup, Looks like he's going to slide into that top four role to fill in and get a chance to play with Chris Russell and get some more ice time.
2: I think it depends on how everyone performs in training camp. And there's, uh, with an injury, uh, there's a spot open. So, um, I mean, for me, I just, uh, it'll be increased minutes if I do get that role, if I earn that role. So. I look forward to it. I uh, I played there a little bit in the playoffs in last season, so uh, I kind of know what it's like and uh, excited.
0: What about being partnered up with Chris Russell a bit here?
2: Yeah, he's a guy that I've always looked up to and for advice and stuff like that, so it's exciting. Uh, he's a great hockey mind, and, and he defends really well, so uh, if I do get the opportunity, it'd be uh, great.
1: Well, that's been an interesting and important relationship on the Oilers, the one between Russell and Benning. Benning, you know, in the summer talked about how Russell served as a bit of a mentor for him. I did an interview with Mark Letestu in August, and uh, he said they used to jokingly, yet, you know, with a serious slant to it because of the relationship, they used to call Russell Benning's dad last year, so now it won't just be in the dressing room in between periods and on the plane type of advice. They're going to be right there on the ice together. And uh, Russell, you know, doesn't mind being paired up with Benning.
2: He's a smart player, I think. You know, just communication is a big thing in any um, defensive pair. There's always going to be some learning curves, some cues, but, um, you know, with uh, two players that move the puck pretty well, have good mobility, uh, I don't I don't see it being too much of a problem.
1: You know, Matthew Benning really burst onto the scene last year. He uh, played a couple games in the mine he, he was up. He, he got into the lineup, and except for being hurt, you know, he never really, he never really came out. I think he was scratched a couple of times, but he he played well. And, and the thing I like about banning is he's definitely a smart player, like Russell referenced. And when you look at Benning, he's just the type of player that teams need. And if he can continue to, to work on his strengths and, and hold on to that role on the team, look, he's not a superstar defenseman. He's not going to be a top-pairing type player. But can he be a good 4-5 or five moving along? Absolutely. And, and I think if you look at Benning's game... I don't in my mind anyway, I would not identify any aspect of his game as below average. I I think he does everything average or better. He is willing to be physical, he is willing to hit, he's willing to stand up for his teammates. You know, he can shoot the puck pretty good, he can move the puck pretty well, he can he can skate pretty well. And I think he can definitely become a safe player for the Oilers who can eat up some minutes, who can play responsible defensively, who can give you a bit of a physical edge, and who can make the odd play offensively as well. I think he's going to continue to grow into that. He was very encouraging last season. I mean, really, I, I think the only glaring weakness, if you want to call it that, in Benning's game is experience. He doesn't have very much. But he has more in the NHL and in the playoffs that he did a year ago, and he'll get more opportunities here with Chris Russell. So that's something to watch here as we, as we move along. He's get, definitely getting the shot to be the Oilers' number four defenseman. Ryan Strom getting a shot to be Connor McDavid's right winger.
2: Yeah, he can fly. Paddy uh, came up to me he goes, he's fast. There. I was like, yeah, he is. So um, definitely uh, pretty cool. Um, definitely going to be a little bit of an adjustment just to where to get him the puck and how quick he moves. But, um, you know, it's a great opportunity. And I know Patty likes to be around the net and, you know, bang pucks in. He's a big body. So um, I think if we can just, you know, try to grow that chemistry a little bit, see what happens. And, you know, I'm sure things will change in the lineup always in Edmonton has always kind of changed throughout the games even. So I think just trying to keep that hard work and practice and uh, not really get too focused on this combination.
1: All right. So, and one of the storylines for Strom, and, and I, I, I'm going to say this as an aside first, guys and gals. I, I don't want to, you know, necessarily make everything about Ryan Strome. We know what it's like for players in this market and new players and what it's going to be like for him the first few games if he doesn't score. Or I mean, look, I know it's not all of you, but there were people who wanted Cam Talbot off the team when he'd been an oiler for about three or four weeks in his first season because he had a couple rough games. He let in a goal from behind the net that cost them a game against the Flames. I don't think anybody would want Cam Talbot off the team at this point. Andre Secret you know, his first 10, 15 games, you know, didn't do very much, kind of took a while to settle in. So, you know, I don't want to beat the Strom story to death, and, and put all this spotlight on him, but there is a story here because Todd McClellan said yesterday he needs to shoot more one hundred and fourteen shots in sixty nine games last season McClellan said is not enough for a guy who they think has a good shot and and they're going to want to hit the score sheet more than he did last season with the islanders and strom uh, was talked to uh, about McCle- to, to that uh, was talked about that McClellan talked to Strom about that this morning. that's what I'm trying to say here's Strom
2: yeah, I know I got that message this morning, so he beat you guys to it, but yeah uh, Yeah, I know, I had the same meeting. So um, it definitely, he showed me some great numbers and some great uh, stats that I wasn't really aware of. So um, I think that just goes to show how good of a coach he is and his relationship with players and um, just uh, something that I never really thought of and look at it in a different way and hopefully can help out, I think. Obviously, the more you put the puck in that, the more things are going to happen. And, um, I guess if you just judge by your percentage over your career, I think uh, things will balance out.
3: Do you think that
2: you play the game
3: with a shoot-first mentality? Like if a puck comes to you, are you thinking shoot naturally? Or is that something you're going to have to
2: develop, especially if you're going to play with Connor? Yeah, I think I think all in all, I think just an offensive player. But I think I've always been a passer, and um, definitely in pro hockey, that's one of the things I've learned: just shooting the puck more. Um, not only to score, but just how good goalies are. You got to get the pucks there to get other guys goals, and um, it's a tough league. It's a tough league to score in. And, um, that's one of the things I've been working on is my shot is shooting more. So um, glad it's been brought to my attention before even the first skate. And you um, can definitely focus on that you know, here on in.
1: Well, you know, it's good to, that your coach gives you a clearly identifiable goal that Strom uh, can work on. I just got a text here from RCN uh, pointing out, you know, how Eberle's career numbers in terms of points per 82 games, uh, what does he have here? RCM, I'm sorry, your text is a little hard to read. I think he has uh, Everly at 65 points. So he's taken the point totals and put it per season. Obviously, guys don't always play uh, full 82 games. Everly, 65 per season. Uh, Strom, 40 for every 82 games. And he throws in Yakupov, 36 points for every 82 games. Not far behind Strom, but RCM, I would suggest there are some. Uh, Issues with on-ice responsibilities and positional play that uh, Neil Yakupov has that Stroman and Everly are far superior in. But anyway, that debate has long since passed us by. It's six seventeen. There's a huge debate raging on in the city of Calgary. More arena news today. Pat Steinberg coming up next.
4: This is Cam Talbot from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio six thirty. Ched. All right, RCN, thanks
1: RCN for clarifying that text. It is uh, those numbers he gave were through the first four seasons in the NHL for each player. Uh, obviously, if you factored in Everly's last couple of seasons, his uh, per-season, per-82 game totals would drop down a little bit. But thank you for that, RCN. Sorry I uh, messed up your stat there off the top. The Hamilton Tiger Cats have a touchdown. 17-7 Saskatchewan, two minutes left in the first half. And baseball. Cleveland 3, Kansas City 2, middle of the 4th. So Cleveland coming to bat at home, going for win number 23. Incredible. Incredible stuff there by the Indians. My name is Reed Wilkins, Inside Sports on 630 Chet. Pat Steinberg from the Fan 960 in Calgary, the Flames Radio Network. Pat, thanks for making time for me shortly after getting off work on a Friday night. I really appreciate it.
0: Of course. I would always make time for your radio
1: program. Well, I appreciate that. Uh, we got about five minutes here, buddy. It's uh, been an interesting week there, and I-, I sympathize with you because I used to go on your show and talk about arenas and deals and money and how are they going to build it. And now I'm asking you to do the same. I think we kind of <laughs> knew this this was coming. So uh, d- give give me the nuts and bolts today because it's you know the even the Flames said that they're not negotiating. But from what was going on today, it, it sounds like they're keeping the wheels moving to maybe negotiate down the road. What's your read on that stuff today?
0: Well, I mean, I, and, and I was on with, uh, with Dave on Oilers Now a couple of days ago, and it was, it was right as the whole storm was hitting. And, and the first thing I said to him was, You know what this reminds me of? It reminds me of Daryl Cates at a football game in Seattle being shown on Hockey Night in Canada. And, and it was like, Okay. This is the first time this thing has got truly ugly, and that's what Tuesday was when Kent King dropped this bombshell: that hey, Flames are no longer interested in pursuing an arena; they've just given up. So you knew that there was going to be something that came from that after that uh, that bombshell. So today, the uh, mayor of Calgary, Mayor of Netshi, um, came out and said, "Here was our plan." We were willing to pay one-third. Flames are going to pay one-third. The ticket tax is going to make up the other third of this arena. And immediately after that, Ken King came out again and said, well, no, we don't like this plan. In fact, it would actually see us paying 100% of it, so on and so forth. So right now we are at, we're kind of at an incomplete story because we haven't seen what the Flames had on the table in, in terms of how they wanted this thing funded and, you know, there's been rumors and a couple of uh, a couple of the news folks, that like, this, like, this is the worst part about for you guys like you and I, like well, we have no desire to stuff our toe <laughs> into the news world, and yet we have to, and now we're having to, frat- like, I know you work in a news station, so you have to do it all the time, but I work at a sports station, I don't have to fraternize with News people very often. Like, I don't want to do this. Like you and your journalistic questions and your facts and your balance. is like, no, we do. We're working in sports. Like this is way more. It's way more fun than like, everybody's all serious and crotchety. It's like, oh my goodness. Like get me away from this. But you know, we had all of the all the news people down there today, and you're like, holy cow, this is a big big deal. And so. What we're looking at right now, so the news people have all come out and they've got their their scoops and they've been able to pinpoint what the Flames offer, the Flames proposal might look like. But they're going to come out later next week and, and the Flames are going to show us what their proposal was, what their funding model was. And it looks like uh, we're going to get a look at what their actual proposal for the arena looks like, which I think will be really interesting. Okay. Anyways, it's, it's, it's incomplete. We'll know more next week, but as it stands right now, everybody is kind of frustrated and wondering uh how they're going to reach a middle ground. That's kind of where we're at right now.
1: Okay, does this, the, the the price tag here this this doesn't include a football stadium anymore no, then? Not anymore. So no. what what that's just off the table? The Stampeders are stuck in
0: McMahon forever? It sure does look like it, which is, <laughs> I'll tell you this much. Like the saddle dome needs to be replaced. McMahon Stadium needs to be be replaced I don't know by about tenfold compared to the Saddle Dome. McMahon Stadium is an absolute
1: dump. Like it'll like never it, host the Grey Cup.
0: Like I, it, I don't know how it can. Like
1: next like I, I heard the Stampeders bid on next year's Grey Cup that Edmonton got just so they would lose to try to put pressure to get a new stadium because like they'll never get a Grey Cup.
0: The the place the place is the, the place was completely outdated 30 years ago, and that's not an Jeez. exaggeration. Like they built it in the 50s, they built it 50 days in like 1956 or whenever they built it, and it in, and you can tell, like it looks like it was built in two months and built in the 1950s. And they've done a little bit of renovation, they've done a little bit of upkeep, but the place, I was I was there for the Labor Day Classic, and the place needs need to replacement so badly, but that's not what we're talking right now. It's it's all about the other side of downtown and having a hockey-only arena or an event center kind of be similar to to the, uh, the ice district in Edmonton. You know, they're trying to make it kind of the focal point of a revitalization of the Victoria Park area here in Calgary. So okay. oh, no, no football stadium included in the current discussion, that's for sure.
1: Well, we'll keep an eye on it. The negotiations aren't done, I think, despite what the Flames are no. saying. And, and, and I don't think they're going to be the Seattle Flames uh, anytime soon. Pat, thanks for fitting me in tonight, buddy. I'll talk to you again soon. Thanks for keeping you know us updated. It, brother. We'll talk soon, buddy. Right on. That's Pat Steinberg from Sportsnet, uh, or the Fan 960 Sportsnet Radio in Calgary, host on the Flames Radio Network. And that is uh, that story. It'll be a year or two before they finally strike a deal and then start building. That's how it goes. Hamilton driving here. We'll see what happens when we get back. Preview the Eskimos game. Inside sports on Ched. This is Mark Letestu from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 6:30 Ched. That Hamilton drive ends in a field goal at the half. Saskatchewan 20, Hamilton 10, was 17-0 at one point. So Hamilton able to claw back a little bit. We'll keep you updated throughout the second half. Fifth inning, Cleveland 3, Royals 2 as the Indians try to win their 23rd in a row. That sounds absurd just to even say that. Oilers' arch-rival Ryan Kessler of the Anaheim Ducks had off-season hip surgery. There is no timetable for his return, say the Ducks. Of course, defensemen Sammy Vatnin and Hampus Lindholm will be out probably until November. They had surgery on torn labrums. Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio 630 Chet. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thank you so much for tuning in. Get more on the Oilers on 630chet.com. And, of course, uh, more on Ryan Strom there, on Matthew Benning, the Oilers' line combinations from day one of camp. They have two games preseason against the Calgary Flames on Monday. We'll broadcast the one here in Edmonton, 5.30 face-off show, 7 o'clock for the drop of the puck. Tomorrow afternoon, 12.30, countdown to kickoff, 2 o'clock, live play-by-play. Morley Scott and this gentleman, Dave Campbell, in Toronto. Eskimos are there. Dave, how's it going, buddy?
3: I'm doing great, Reed, uh, and uh, Ryan Kessler out for a while, huh? That breaks my heart.
1: So D- Don't take joy in people being injured, Dave. Isn't that lesson number one? Come on. Yeah,
3: that, that's true. That's true. I, I apologize to Ryan Kessler, and uh, I won't miss you, but oh, all the best. <laughs> how's that?
1: Uh, yeah, I'm sure I'm sure more people are on your side that they the he, I, I, I think you He's said a good it right. Hockey player. He's I think, a good hockey player. Don't don't take joy in his injury, but no, he, I won't. but he won't be missed. That's 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 a good way to put it. He yeah, won't be there missed. There you go.
3: That that that's okay. You put the right words into my into my mouth. Thank you very much.
1: Though I, I will say <laughs> this, well, I, I can't remember the first time the Oilers played the Ducks, obviously Kessler's not likely going to be in the lineup. I think a lot of fans were hoping he was going to get a little visit from Darnell Nurse or Zach Cassian or, or Patrick Maroon uh, right. that maybe they didn't want to risk doing in the playoffs uh, and getting a suspension or something at that time of year. Maybe, maybe you know, whenever he They'll is, have to wait. yeah, that 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 yeah. may have to wait. May just have to be all focused on on uh, on Getzlaff when they when they get back in. So uh, anyway, th- are you watching? Are, are you out on the town here in Toronto, or are you watching yeah, we're Sask and Hammer?
3: Yeah, we're out of the town. I'm um, uh, out with uh, Jerry John of, uh, of Post Media, and uh, we're at the Shoeless Joe's, which is right beside the Princess Wales Theater in downtown Toronto on uh, on King Street, because uh, it's busy down here uh, in uh, in Toronto right now, because it's the Toronto International Film Festival, uh, so it's very, very busy, so people are lining up to see, uh, to see some uh, films here. Uh, the Invictus Games are coming up uh, next weekend, and we've highlighted that a few times on our show, so... A lot of people coming in for that, uh, so it, it's a busy place. And uh, of course, we're at—I said—we're at uh, said Tulis Jones, a sports establishment. They don't believe the CFL exists in this establishment. So, I've been following on Twitter and on the CFL app. And um, first of all, I'm very impressed with Brandon Bridge, for uh, from what I see from the outside looking in. Um, you know, I think he's, you know, he's putting up the numbers. Let's just say that. Uh, Unlike—I don't know what Jeremiah Masoli's numbers are right now, but. Uh, his numbers weren't very good for uh, for the longest time. I don't know what they are now, but uh, um, yeah, Soli's
1: sure. up to uh, fourteen for 21, 130 yards and a touchdown. Okay. Hamilton got well, it. I, Hamilton, and, and you know what they they had a th- with eleven seconds left. They had third and less than a yard on about the Saskatchewan ten, but only eleven seconds left, so they had to kick a field goal. That yeah. was a you know they ran out of time to get to get the touch. So they, so they fought back. It's still a game going into okay. the second half. Excellent. All right. Yeah, just, and I should update people as well on the tennis, by the way. Dennis Shapovalov, this is over at Northlands Coliseum in Edmonton. The Davis Cup tie, I was talking about that last night. The matches are called ties, and the individual matches. Uh, within the tire called rubbers, so rubber two coming up. Uh, Shapovalov's going to play the other Canadian, uh, Braden Schnur lost this afternoon. So Canada down one nothing in the best of five tie, trying to get back into the world group for next season. Okay, anyway, there's the uh, quick update on that. Royals have tied it too, by the way in the top of the fifth with the Indians three three. That's like that's Ooh. incredible. Like twenty, yeah. like the the ten game winning streak the Eskimos had. You guys covered in 2015. I mean, I guess officially it's an eight-gamer because they often don't include playoffs in winning streak. And they had a seven-gamer this year. I mean, yeah. in football, that's that's pretty uh, pretty impressive. But, I mean, 23 games in Major League Baseball. I mean, I know what Golden Bears hockey had that year about 15 years ago. didn't they, they Weren't they 25 and 3 or something like that? Yeah, I believe you're right. You they, didn't, they didn't but, have a loss. But, yeah, for this in baseball at this time of year, it, it's yeah. remarkable.
3: Yeah, it is. It, it's one of the most impressive streaks that... Of- I think anyone has ever seen in the modern era for sure. So, uh, I mean, just just to do that, I mean, it's it's just so hard to win nowadays. Um, you know, in in uh, in a sport like baseball, where you know you play so many darn games with 162 games, and for Cleveland to win 20 uh, 22 in a row is is incredible. I mean, in hockey, uh, you know, the longest streak is what the Penguins, I think, seventeen. Yeah,
1: seventeen in a row
3: back 92, 93. Yep. Um, you know the Oilers. We've seen a couple ten-game winning streaks, uh, but you know baseball is so hard. I mean, you don't you don't have loser points. You don't have you know I don't know ties anymore, really. But uh, you know, <laughs> for a sport that you only you know you only get or only get numbers in two columns, that's wins and losses. And for the Cleveland to uh, ring up twenty-two in a row is incredible.
1: Dave Campbell joining us from Toronto. The Eskimos play there tomorrow against the Argos. You know the story for the Eskimos. They won seven. Now they've lost four in a row. They have uh, not lost to an Eastern team yet this season, which uh, shouldn't surprise anybody given the quality of the two divisions. Dave, I-, I was taking a look at the depth chart. First of all, Trayvon Van is back. Yep. But is he going to be on the field the whole time? Because I noticed they're also addressing five American receivers
3: no he won't be on the field the whole time and uh, you don't see that every day with five american starting receivers but uh pascal lochard is going to be listed as starting running back and i, I got a feeling we're going to see uh more of lochard than say we did on on labor day when you know the uh the eskimos also listed uh lochard as a starter but we saw a lot of what areas perkins so i i think you'll see trayvon van but when that happens you're going to have to have you know, Corey Watson or Shamaa Chambers or, uh, you know, really what I'm saying is the Canadian receiver. But, you know, they just, uh, you know, we talked to Mor- Morley and I talked with Jason Moss earlier today, and, you know, he just said, Brian Mitchell's too good to just have you know, him sitting on the sitting on the bench and not playing. So, you know, they're really trying to, you know, strengthen an area where they feel pretty confident in and that is their offense. And, you know, against the Toronto Argonauts' defense, it's, you know, they're very interesting. You know, they're their number... They're number one against the pass in the Canadian Football League, although I wouldn't call their secondary, you know, a really stellar group. And not that you get enamored with the names, but, you know, Toronto's front four gets tremendous pressure on the quarterback. They're going to get Victor Butler back in their lineup. He played really four and a half games, and yet he still leads the league with seven quarterback sacks. He's actually tied with two other people, including Sean Lemon, his teammate, who's now on the six-game injured list. Uh, Cleon Lang is back which is not good for Mike Crowley and Eskimo fans. Because no one likes that guy. He's a dirty, uh, the
1: dirty guy, isn't he?
3: Yeah, he's the dirty guy. Yeah, I Unless he's he on Mike your team. Crowley about yeah. three times. Yeah, right. uh, A concussion, a hand injury, and then that knee injury back in 2015. So, uh, so you know, I, I think the Eskimos are just trying to play to their strengths, and they really think their American receiving core is, is probably their strength right now.
1: All right, well, there's been nothing wrong with the receivers so far this season. Hopefully they get after Toronto, limit the penalty trouble, stay calm when things don't go their way, and and I think they got a really good shot in that game. You know, I had Jim Pop on the show yesterday, Dave. You lined up that interview for me. The GM of the Argos after a couple of decades in Montreal where a lot changed for that Montreal franchise. I mean, they came back into the league, They moved into the smaller stadium. They created a pretty boisterous atmosphere in uh, Molson Stadium, and obviously they had really good teams. And I asked Jim the question that every Argos general manager has been asked for about the last 35 years, you know, what's the deal with attendance? What are you going to do about it? How do you get more people interested? And he said, well, I went through it in Montreal, and, you know, Ottawa went through it, and, uh, and now they have a pretty strong franchise the thing is, Dave, I think deep down in Montreal and Ottawa, people wanted a CFL franchise. They just wanted it to be well-run, and they wanted it to be competitive enough. I'm at the point now, they moved to BMO Field, which I thought was great for Toronto. It's yep. still a very empty stadium. I, I, I just don't know if, if the customers in Toronto want that product. You know, it's like you keep seeing, you know, whatever type of chocolate bar on the shelf, but yep. it no matter how good it tastes... You just don't want that type of chocolate bar and that's that's kind of i don't i don't think that city really wants to spend money on the on the cfl
3: you know i've been pretty optimistic about this market for a while but this is the first time read where i felt really genuinely concerned about this franchise in this city um you know there what there is a fan base in this city um i don't think it's, it's as large as it once was i think ownership of the past have driven them away first they went to roger center or the sky dome which is just not a very good sports venue like it's impressive and everything and there's been a lot of history in that building with the you know with the argos and the jays especially with the jays but you know to me it was just it you know the, the ownership of the past have done things to really drive the market away and they don't market themselves very well they still don't do it even though they you know have new owners and um you know and i honestly think they just felt that this you know what let's, let's plop the argos at timo let's put them in a in an area that's uh you know in a which is a young vibrant area uh with a lot of uh you know a lot of uh different you know a, a lot of eclectic people a lot of very interesting people a lot of young people in liberty village um you know where they can draw from a massive uh base but no one's going and you know the argos you know, I, I think a lot of it has to do with sometimes in this city they don't support everything, right? And they support obviously the Leafs have a big hold, the Raptors are big, the Jays were big. I mean, but still, they, you know, I mean, if they, you know, they 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 have a big, uh, enough of a fan base, they're they're not in any danger. You got Toronto FC here, and that's that does that draws very well. Uh, but you know, the CFL just isn't a draw. You know, that's why a lot of people say, well, if you bring in Johnny Mansell, maybe that changes. And I think, I think it could. But uh, they got a lot of work to do. And, you know, this isn't a, a one-year, two-year project. I mean, we're talking about what, what will this franchise look like in five years. But I think you can have a legitimate concern as, you know, is this franchise going to exist in 5, 10, 15 years? You know, and a lot of people say, well, they should go outside, go to Mississauga. Great idea. If they don't have a stadium. That's the problem. Yeah. So, to me, I'm legitimately concerned, and if, if the, if the Argos cease to exist in the Canadian Football League, then I'm wondering, why, what about the existence of the Canadian Football League? I, I'm legitimately concerned about this market.
1: What's it like calling a game at BMO Field? I mean, now you've been there, uh, well, I guess you were there last year. Um, I mean, is it just like a library? You know, it's hard to... Th- it's,
3: yeah, I mean, it's, I think the atmosphere is better um, just because the venue is much more suited towards football. Unlike you go to Skydome or Rogers Center, and it's like you know, it's just this cavernous, big, uh, empty, dead atmosphere. But I think there, there's opportunities at, at BMO to to have more of a, a lively atmosphere. Um, last year was kind of neat, neat and strange all at the same time. I mean, Morley and I called a game in August when the CNE was was on. So here I am. You know, we're calling a game, and the, the zippers in the background for goodness sakes, and then you can hear people screaming. But uh, <laughs> You know, I, I think I think the venue's right. I think the venue is a good good spot. And, you know, I think their highest attended game game was over sixteen thousand and it was a really good atmosphere. So the atmosphere the, the environment for a good atmosphere is there, but man, oh man, this isn't uh, this isn't an easy problem to fix at Gemo. And by the way, the booth sucks. The booth is terrible. <laughs> um and um, Morley and I, you know, I mean we're we're not the smallest of guys. Uh <laughs> and uh, let's just say we, um, we we have to nuzzle up more than we, we would want to to each other. So there you go.
1: My goodness, so okay. I think
3: one of us is going to end up standing for part of the game. <laughs> uh,
1: th- th- there were some fines announced today. Any any punishment for Edwards and Moss after those uh, outbursts last week?
3: Well, Chris Edwards got fined for the throat slash. Uh, Jason Moss did not get fined. And I think more significantly to Garrett Davis of the Calgary Stampeders who uh, looked like a hit to the head to me to, uh, and, and many people. It wasn't Mike, a penalty, right?
1: Dave. wasn't a penalty.
3: Yeah, it wasn't a penalty, so I guess that's <laughs> the out for the league. Um, yeah, he wasn't fine, and that, that shocked the heck out of me. So, um, you know, I, I don't agree with what Chris Edwards did, and he should be disciplined for that gesture, because you cannot throw a splash. That's been outlawed in football for, you know, a long, long time. Um, but to me, when you find that action and not find a, a clear hit to the head, I, I wonder where the CFL's priorities are at sometimes.
1: All right. Dave, thanks. We'll talk to you again at noon 30 tomorrow. Game at two, Eskimos at the Argos. Enjoy Shoeless Joes, buddy.
3: I will do that. Uh, and Ryan Kessler's open. Okay. All
1: right. There, there you go. That's Dave Campbell checking in from uh, Toronto. A good discussion there with Dave about the state of the franchise and also about the Eskimos roster, how it looks. The receivers have been good. They're going to give Brian Mitchell some looks again tomorrow. Zylstra, Williams, Bowman. Uh, All good to go. Chambers and Watson will come in there as Canadians. Hopefully the Eskimos get it done, get back in the wind column. It is 648. You can text 63630. The phone number is 780-496-0063. More on the Oilers coming up tonight. We'll also meet a couple of young local boxers who are getting their careers going. That'll be fun. Inside Sports on Chet.
2: Hi, this is Ryan Eugen-Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.
1: Jeremy from Glendon texting in. Always love to hear from Jeremy. I imagine him taking his transistor radio and sitting under the giant pierogi and listening to the show every night. Isn't that the image you have, Patrick Power? Uh, It is now. You painted quite a picture there. You know, maybe he takes his backpack with a sandwich and a bottle of water, has his transistor radio on with the headphones, goes and sits under the giant pierogi, listens to inside sports, sends the odd text. You know, (laughs) I'm envious of him now. We're trapped inside like caged rats. He's got an ideal life. I'll see. He says Toronto couldn't sell out Rogers Centre. Montreal plays in a 20,000-seat stadium. The BC Lions tarp their upper bowl. Yet all of the three largest cities in Canada have successful MLS teams. Sports success is a result of the demographic of the city. The public in those cities want soccer. The people of the prairies like football. Not a matter of management, in my opinion, just a result of what the public wants. Jeremy from Glendon. And Jeremy, that may be the case in Toronto, that they are just not going to consume... CFL football, whether it's winning or losing. I mean, the Argos, they're not great this year. They've had some decent teams recently. If you put the Calgary Stampeders in Toronto, would, would, would all of a sudden the stadium be sold out? Probably not. But it, it is a problem. I don't, I don't think they'd ever want to go down to eight teams again. Saskatchewan up twenty ten on Hamilton. About a minute and a half into the third quarter. Cleveland, Kansas City, Major League Baseball tied 3-3 after 5. Another tight one as the Indians try to expand their 22-game win streak. So Eskimos tomorrow at Toronto, 12-30 countdown to kickoff. The play-by-play will start at 2 with Morley and Dave. Mike Riley leading the way for the Eskimos. We had Riley on the show the other night. Told a, I asked him what's the one thing that Darrell Walker uh, about Darrell Walker, who's back with the team that maybe people don't know about.
4: You would never guess it when you see him in the locker room or you talk to him. He's probably the quietest guy I've ever met. Uh, he's one of the nicest guys in the world. Um, you know, I get pretty heated on the field, and there was a situation last year uh, where me and him were not on the same page. I was getting blitzed. I took a big hit right after I threw it, and. Uh, he, he didn't turn and look as quickly as I would have liked him to. So when I got up uh, and we were jogging off the field, I was trying to get his attention and I was screaming at him. And I told him what I wanted him to do. And he turned and looked at me. And in the most calm manner, he was like, he was like Mike, okay, you don't have to yell at me. And I immediately felt terrible about it because I was like, this is the nicest dude in the world that plays the most aggressive you'll ever see. Uh, but that's just the type of guy he is. He's cool. He's calm, collected, uh, and nothing really gets him riled up and that's that's another part of what makes him such a great player uh in pressure-packed moments
1: yeah great story there walker definitely a great player back with the eskimos had a good game against the stampeders on saturday he and uh, zilster really driving the bus for the eskimos receivers bowman had a few catches duke williams a big late touchdown hopefully the eskimos hang on this week against the argos okay Here's what we're going to do. A little more on the Oilers coming up. Play-by-play voice Jack Michaels is going to drop by. Interesting day at training camp. Already several storylines to follow. You can get more as well on 630Ched.com. And interestingly enough, Jack Michaels, a big fan of the Cleveland Indians who have been a hard-luck franchise for, well, 50, 60 years, almost 70 maybe. Uh, (laughs) So Jack will weigh in on their recent success next on Inside Sports.